Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And today, we're talking about a very exciting game today, Code Veronica. Yes. <laughs> I love this game. I've been waiting for this game. <laughs> so is Saint, if he's listening. Yep. But you know Saint's <laughs> listening. I think a lot of our fans have been waiting for this game. <laughs> it's a really good game. It was deemed one of the hardest Resident Evil games in the franchise. One of the uh, hardest classic Resident Evil games. Yeah. 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 So it's it goes without saying that a lot of people are probably anticipating this episode. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. What do you got for us, Danny? All right. I have the summary of the game, which there's going to be something everyone wants to learn in this. So, of course, Resident Evil Code Veronica, also known as Biohazard Code Veronica, is a survival horror game. When is it Resident Evil? Surprising. (laughs) Which was originally released in 2000, but it was not made by Capcom. The game was outsourced and made by Nextech and Toes as a replacement for a Saturn port of Resident Evil 2. Hmm. Which Capcom and Nextech believed would be subpar. So they already went to this game thinking it wasn't going to be great. <laughs> Let's outsource this game to you, and um, we know it's not going to be good, so that's why we chose you. So Capcom was like, nah, it's not going to be great. Let's just give it to somebody else and make them take the fall for it. Apparently. I, it's so <laughs> odd that they would at least admit that. Wow. Originally, this game would have been a Dreamcast exclusive title, but Sega's departure from the console industry changed this, and a modified port of the game was released for the Dreamcast, GameCube, and PlayStation 2 the following year, titled Resident Evil Code Veronica X, and known in Japan as Biohazard Code Veronica Perfect Complete Edition. So we got X, and they got Perfect Complete. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, It's his life. Take that, Saturn. <laughs> An HD remaster was released for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, and then the PS2 version was released as a PS2 classic on PlayStation 4. Thanks to the backwards compatibility, the HD Xbox 360 version can be played on Xbox One and Xbox Series 
X slash S, while PlayStation 5 plays the emulated version on PS4. I can't attest to this. We do have it on the Xbox. <laughs> yes, we do. And for those of you that have PlayStation Now, the HD remaster is also accessible through that. I got it on both fronts then. Ba-boom! <laughs> now we'll get to actually what the game is about. The game takes place on the 27th and 28th of December, 1998, our favorite year for Resident Evil. Seems like everything happens then. Everything cool. <laughs> Three months after the events of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. It is the first Resident Evil game released for a sixth generation console and the first game to use full polygonal environments instead of the static pre-rendered backgrounds that characterized the previous installments. That was, I will say, a huge difference in the gameplay style. I knew it. I know it screwed with me quite a bit, knowing that they they like everything's 3D now. Nothing just stands out like when in the old games you would play statues would stand out or something like that. This one, like everything stands out and you're like, I don't know what, what's going to move. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're watching something and on TV or something, yeah. you can tell something's out. Yeah, that's I'm just really put off a little bit by Capcom just outsourcing it to this next <laughs> tech and then not believing it's going to work. And it did. <laughs> Take that. That's what I have on summary. Right. Well, what do we got next? Let's talk plot. Let's talk plot. So, it's been three months since the total destruction of Raccoon City, and Claire Redfield is still searching for her missing brother, Chris. Claire's search takes her to an umbrella-owned facility in Paris, where she is discovered and met with fierce resistance. Claire attempts an impressive escape from the clutches of the hired soldiers, but it proves to be just not enough. She is captured by Rodrigo Juan Raval, an Umbrella military commander, and is shipped to the remote Rockford Island facility. Claire finds herself interrogated and then imprisoned. She is knocked unconscious by a guard, and hours later, she awakens to the sound of explosions. Facing imminent death, Claire receives opportunity once more when an inexplicable air raid on the island wipes out most of the island inhabitants and damages the majority of its structures. Unfortunately, the air raid also causes the accidental release of T-virus samples and BOWs, which spread quickly and wipe out the remaining survivors. Claire is thrust back into the world of survival horror once again, with the odds seemingly stacked against her. Claire finds support in fellow inmate Steve Burnside, but encounters untold hardships when the insane island commander, Alfred Ashford, and his equally evil twin sister, Alexia Ashford, set their sights on causing the end of the duo in their own sick, twisted, and demented games. Claire and Steve manage to escape the island, only to have been forcibly directed to Antarctica. When attempting to escape the Antarctic Umbrella base, Steve manages to mortally wound Alfred, while Claire successfully dispatches a mutated Alexander Ashford. As Claire and Steve attempt to leave for an Australian research outpost in a snowmobile, Claire and Steve get attacked by tentacles deployed by a revived Alexia. Meanwhile, 
Chris Redfield has been hiding with the surviving STARS members following their harrowing survival story at the Spencer Mansion in Raccoon City. When word from Leon S. Kennedy reaches him that his sister Claire has been captured by Umbrella, he races against time to reach Rockford and rescue her from danger. However, what Chris discovers on the island is something he never expected. A man from his past who should, by all rights, be dead. His former captain, Albert Wesker. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Wesker. Wesker has his own agenda that he is relentlessly executing. He is working for a new enemy, pursuing an unknown interest. As Chris soon finds out, this is not the Wesker he remembers, as Wesker possessed superhuman speed and strength. Chris learns from Wesker that Claire was already in Antarctica and attempts to rescue her. Chris gets reunited with Claire with the pair attempting to rescue Steve only to get separated again. Claire manages to reach Steve only for him to die a heroic death after saving her from a tentacle. Chris, on the other hand, gets into a skirmish with Alexia and arms the self-destruct system to regroup with Claire. Chris successfully kills Alexia with a prototype weapon and successfully evacuates the base with Claire. And that is the plot of Code Veronica. All right, so let's tie this into our storyline before we go any further, because this is a lot of information to drop in one go. So the events of Veronica take place a couple months after the events of Raccoon City. Three months, to be exact. Three months. So Claire catches word that her brother is in Paris. So she heads there, gets captured, whole lot of crazy goes on, and that is, you know, we kind of fast forward a little bit, she goes to different locations. That's where Leon eventually gets a hold of Chris. Now, Leon is an original survivor, as we all know, getting a hold of Chris, who is a survivor of the whole original outbreak. So then they go off. Chris goes off to go and rescue Claire, and then all kinds of other hell breaks loose. But that's where it all ties into the original four canon games now. Yeah, it... I enjoyed how they went to continue on with Claire searching for Chris. Mm -hmm. I liked how that was the next step into what's next after three. Which blows my mind to think that Capcom would think that that game would fail. Mm, Yeah, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the game, so I I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about more characters popping up again in our Easter egg section, but from the, we'll get to that eventually. So for now, we've got our plot. Let's go to our mid break. So here we are at the mid break. And the first thing we have to do is thank our lovely, amazing patrons. So we're going to start with our official patron, Anthony Bellotti, our all access patrons, Chris Slate, Remington Cloutier, and Zhang Yi. And we have our VIP patrons, Wolfslur and Saint. So, thank you all. You're all amazing. You're all wonderful. You're fantastic. We love you. I can't say enough nice things. <laughs> we do have some pretty awesome fans. We do. Thank you. 
And for everybody who's listening, thank you for listening. And thank you for leaving your comments and reviews. We are reading them and we are continuing to try to make this show the best we can. So thank you. And without further ado, what do you have for us this week, Daniel? All right. Well, I'll do one now and then we can come back to me. So on tpublic.com, there is a Resident Evil Code Veronica inspired hoodie. It's designed and sold by Necrographic, which is N-E-K-R-O-G-R-A-P-H-I-K. And it looks like it has a couple of the characters from Code Veronica on there. It has Claire in the very background, has Wesker, it has Alexia Ashford. There's a small version of, I believe, Chris, and a zombie clawing out of the ground. You can get in multiple different colors. Looks like for the next six and a half hours, it runs $35. So by the time you hear this episode, (laughs) (laughs) it will be back up to $45. And I am not entirely sure what shipping would run on this, but they do have it on there. So if you want to find that, it's on tpublic.com. Sold by Necrographic. We'll have it in Discord and on Twitter and in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ariel, what'd you bring for us this week? Well, I read an article. Oh, boy. Like I always do. No, oh, of course. And this one is Resident Evil Revisited Mod aims to serve as a prequel to RE1. Okay. Yeah, and this is from Game Revolution. And it says... There's some incredible work coming from Resident Evil modding community. Recently, one mod in particular for the PC version of RE2. The newly revealed Resident Evil Revisited is a collaborative effort that is aimed at serving as a prequel to the original game and as a bridge to the SD Perry novels. Ooh. Yes. So, Resident Evil Revisited mod serves as a prequel to RE1, it takes us to the Arclay Mountains and Spencer Mansion before the original game's events, when the outbreak was in its infant stages. The playable character Trent, aka Victor Darius, in this mod will be familiar to fans of the S.D. Perry novels. He's an umbrella agent sent to collect valuable data from the Spencer Mansion, and he'll have to fight through zombies, puzzles, and other obstacles to get it. So, I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I read the S.D. Perry novels, like, a long time ago. I have them all. So, yeah. I'm and excited. We are gonna cover the S.D. Perry novels shortly after the games, too. Yes, we will. I do have some of them as well. Mm-hmm. So, that is exciting, though, to be able to go back and play when the outbreak was in its infant stages. Yeah, it'll be fun to revisit it all in yes. a different, you know, with a different main character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, this week, I've brought two as well, Daniel, so you're not special. I only did one first. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the first one I brought this week, it comes to us from Etsy, uh, Bike Angel 777. And it is a Resident Evil-inspired Code Veronica map of the palace. It is priced for two different dimensions. You can get it for 9x7 
at $12.77 or 11 by 16 for 27 bucks. And it is pretty nice map of the palace. It is in really, it's got some really good details to it. Um, and it matches the game map pretty spot on. So if you're a fan of Veronica, that's one you might like. That sounds awesome. What gets me though is that they had to tack in that 77 cents (laughs) on the smaller one. Uh, Such a weird number. (laughs) What do you got for us, Daniel? So if you want another weird number. Oh boy. The price of this next item, which is about almost normal paper size. It's 20.2 by 16 and a quarter. It is a almost like a little poster. It says Resident Evil Code Veronica. It has Claire and Steve Birdside on it. And it is $19.24. <laughs> Before potential shipping or anything, mm-hmm. it doesn't say. It only comes in one size. It is on redbubble.com. And it looks like all you need to do is put in Resident Evil Code Veronica. And it should. It's a poster listed. And it's sold by... Novelias, I believe it's N-O-V-A-L-L-I-E-Z. We'll post that in Discord, Twitter, and on the show notes. So, uh, <laughs> I don't, I still don't understand the random 24 cents. It's funny to me, I understand with taxes, like you would have a weird number, but just beforehand, because I was looking up a set of dice this weekend, and that one I picked out was 2501. They had to tack that penny in. <laughs> well, I got no more weird prices for you, but I have a last item myself. And this comes to us again from Etsy. Nostalgic Jess. And what we have here is a Resident Evil diorama sets. And you get two in this if you purchase it. Uh, for $69, and you get the choices between RE4 Diorama, RE2 Claire, RE3 Jill, RE3 Jill with her stars uniform, or RE2 Leon. And these are pretty cool. It basically takes a scene out of the game and turns it into a 2D slash 3D cube that you can put on display. Oh, I and- like that. They're they're pretty cool. So that's all I have for my items. Ooh. I'm looking at it right now, listeners, and it's pretty awesome, <laughs> actually. And for that price, you get two of them. So it's it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's, that's pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Well, with all that being said, and that's all the items we have, let's jump back into the end of the show. So here we are at the end of the show. And we're going to go over our list of BOWs and characters that we're going to discuss next episode and then get into our Easter eggs. So let's start with our characters. So we have some returning characters such as Claire Redfield, Chris Redfield, and Wesker, Albert Wesker. My boy. Your boy. (laughs) And the new characters in this game are Steve Burnside, Alexia Ashford, Alfred Ashford, and Rodrigo Juan Raval. 
we're going to talk about him a little bit more in depth in a minute. <laughs> oh boy. He's he's one of our little Easter eggs. <laughs> so yeah, that's the list of characters in this game. We'll go into it more next episode. Mm-hmm. So what do we got for our BOWs? I know we've got some returning champs here, Daniel. Oh, as always, I don't think until we get to future games, we'll get rid of the zombie because... That's in, that's the first one I'm always going to start out with in this. <laughs> Luckily, no crows for Aaron this, this time. So we have the zombies. We have Cerberus, of course. New one is Bandersnatch. Uh, Black Widow, which is a spider. Moths. A Hunter 2. Bats. Seekers. Ants. All those insects for Ariel. We have the Tyrant T078. Nosferatu. The Gulpworm. Albinoid Adults, Giant Black Widow, and Alexia Ashford, which hers will fall under the character as well. Mm-hmm. Right, so it looks like we have a lengthy episode for character and BOWs next episode. Well, with all that being said, let's talk about some of our Easter eggs because there are some good ones in this. So the Code Veronica Easter eggs, we're, we're not going to go in any particular order here. But the first one we're going to start with is the locker room vending machine. So when you go into the locker room as Claire, there is a vending machine that you can find that is called the Valentino Rosso. Okay. Now this is a throwback to, of course, Jill Valentine. But we also have to talk about Dario Rosso, which is the first survivor you run into in RE3 that is adamant that he is not going with your ass. And in the remake, he's the one who locks himself in the back end of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a, a cool little nod. Do they sell sandwiches in that vending machine? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. It's just drinks. Uh. Mm, from what it looks like. Next Easter egg we have is this, is... this is a hilarious one. Steve Burnside's hair was changed in the re-release, the X version... Because he looked too similar to Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that a bad thing? I, I, it is when you're in business world because that <laughs> results in sued. lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not confirmed, but it has been discussed widely amongst the fan base that that was the reason it was changed. Because if you look at the original release on the Dreamcast, he does look almost identical to Leonardo. You know, I didn't make the connection at first, but after hearing that, yeah. <laughs> you can't unsee it now. Yeah, I can't unsee it. So we have another Easter egg. When you meet with Steve the first time, when you give him the machine guns, and you run off, and this is the only time in the game you get to play as Steve, you run off. If you run back to Claire, you go through the room at first, and then you come back to her, she will berate you with insults. And the insults change depending on how far you've gone ahead. So if you go and you kill a couple enemies and then come back, you will get a different result each time. <laughs> I kind of really want to try this. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. If you want to see the results, you can go to uh, Ink Ribbon's YouTube page and he's got his Easter eggs posted up there and there is the barrage of insults that she'll drop. That's that's fucking awesome. <laughs> so we have a movie reference in this one. Do tell. It's one of my personal favorite zombie movies, too. So in the scene where you are Claire 
and you find the scientist that slams against the window and is attacked by a Bandersnatch. It is almost identical shot by shot homage to the Return of the Living Dead 3 movie where the scientists are experimenting on a zombie and he gets his fingers bit off. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it because it's my personal favorite zombie movie. So I was like, that's awesome. All of the Return of the Living Deads are hilarious. <laughs> I love them for their comedic value. So the last reference in the main game, because there's the battle mode. Uh, in the main game, when you are looking through computers, you can find a couple things. The first thing is, if you look at the top right corner, usually in the top right corner, there is a list of files. One of those files will be named the Nemesis data file. This is in reference to RE3 Nemesis. Another file is named the Mikami folder. This is in reference to Shinji Mikami, the producer of RE code Veronica X. There's also a picture of Jill Valentine on the image it's usually down by the bottom left of the screen or closer to the top left of the screen there's an image of her from re3 there's also an re2 main menu red eye picture that you can find a hunk picture and a william birkin picture so we've got a couple yeah. throwbacks to old characters in that's the, awesome yeah but it's really hard um, I would recommend if you're going to look for these things, look on the newer console versions because they're a little bit less pixelated since they've been HD'd and it's a little easier to see the image a little bit more clear. Um, but they are there and it is a cool homage to past games. That's awesome. So now we're getting into our battle mode Easter eggs and the first one is hilarious. It is called the DIJ Diary. Now, the DIJ stands for Dumb Inside Joke. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it if you kick open one of the slot machines in battle mode. It's usually in there. Um, but the entire diary basically just explains the entire game of Veronica, start to finish. It doesn't go in great detail. It refers to the characters as the blonde one or the one who wears the red vest. It just, it just kind of refers to the characters loosely, but you, you'll you know. The funny thing with this, though, is that the entire thing is written as if it was in third person. If you look very carefully throughout the maps, you can see who wrote the diary. In fact, there's one part where Claire will open a locker and a rodent of some kind will jump out. This is our mysterious writer. A rat. A rat. <laughs> if you look very carefully in like sewer grates and these little, it's hard to see unless you know exactly where you're looking. You will see this little rodent almost looks like a hamster just kind of sitting there looking at you. So this rat is following you around and writing about you. In Code Veronica, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it, uh, it really reminds me of a Silent Hill reference. There's an Easter egg in Silent Hill. We won't go too much into it because this is a completely different series, but there's another animal doing things in the Silent Hill series. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we also have, here we go, Rodrigo comes back. This time, he's a creep. 
because in the original Dreamcast version in battle mode, there is a specific area that I could not find the name of, but you can go and look between some gaps in this room. If you look in the right gap, you'll see him standing there with absolutely zero expression on his face, just staring at you. Hardcore. That would be terrifying. <laughs> it's hmm. another one you can see if you check out uh, Ink Ribbon's YouTube page. You can see the same Easter egg in action and you can see him staring at you creepy. It, it is truly terrifying, especially when you got the cock, the, the countdown timer going and you're just trying to rush through things just to see this face pop up. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one we have here is another battle mode. This one is kind of cool, though. It's in battle mode. You get to select different characters, as we all know. However, each character has their own little specific animation that you can make them do in certain areas. So for Claire, she will shiver in one of the cold rooms in the game. She will stand there and shiver when you get to a certain point. Steve attempts to buy something from a... If you go up, there's an action button on one of the vending machines. He will attempt to buy something and only to realize that he has no money. Because he is not other than a prisoner. <laughs> so the next one is with our dear old friend, Wesker. If you go and you find a medical statue, he will look it over in confusion. He might even tilt his glasses down because he's confused by this somehow. <laughs> Smartest man in the world is confused by a statue. Mm. So the last character, of course, is Chris, but Chris gets two animations, unlike the others. Uh, the first one, when Chris runs up to the lion head that is in one of the halls, he will attempt to pull a item out of it and fail, resulting in him cutting himself. Um, and it's, you know, one of those things you do when you cut your finger and you're like, ah, and you look at it. He kind of does that animation. And the other one, and this is my personal favorite animation of them all, is if you go to the sink in the locker room, he will look in the mirror and fix his hair. <laughs> it's my favorite because it just shows how how ridiculous Chris is about his appearance. <laughs> oh, does my hair look all right? Hold on, huh? I know I've been fighting zombies and things, but I gotta make sure my hair is good. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, these are some of our Easter eggs. Well, these are all of our Easter eggs from the Code Veronica game. And I'm still partial to the hamster looking creature writing the diary. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> legit hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, with all that being said, that is the end of our episode. So, again, thank you all for listening and thank you to our patrons you're all wonderful uh we love you and we'll check you out next time bye bye thanks for joining us tonight on the resident evil lure cast we hope you enjoyed it if you did tell a friend leave a comment and review if you want to keep chatting with us about all things resident evil you can find us on the robots radio discord you can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. 
What up to Night City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! No, all. This is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.